Wav and Mawaj. Some of you have seen that, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I know that there's uh, lots of different directions we can go. Oh, I, I just wanted to point out, again, our, our artists, we're uh, visual artists, we're making some more. Again, this isn't We Are the World 25. This was uh, a symbol for the church around the world. Uh, and, and this is uh, symbolizing the, the bride of Christ. And uh, so anyway, uh, just a little, little note on those little things that pop up every now and then. Um, but in talking about marriage, it's very interesting. Just, uh, I know that there's, there's probably a person here that could fit, uh, someone here that fits in every little classification that we have with this. Uh, and I know in talking about marriage, just as in talking about the church, that sometimes there's uh, pain in talking about it. Uh, because um, church and marriage have to do with relationships, these horizontal relationships. We often forget about the vertical relationship with the Lord, uh, which is very significant. Uh, we think when we talk about baptism and communion, uh, which are coming up in the next two Sundays, well, that's very individual. That's just you and the Lord. And we tend to forget the horizontal relationships that are woven into those because of their sacredness. So we, we sometimes uh, forget uh, things and we emphasize other things. And, and one of the things with church and marriage that there's been, uh, because there's uh, major involvement from us in relationships, there's a lot of chances for mistakes and a lot of hurt. And so, but today, uh, when I talk about this, I, I hope that no one will tune me out. And, and, and just my prayer is that, you know, I could say one little sentence and then you could go off on a little track on your mind and thinking and just totally tune out everything else I might be saying. And you might uh, not get the whole picture of what I'm trying to say. So I just want to encourage you to really track with me, to hang in there and, and to hold on. I know there might be something that you kind of wince when you hear it. And I just want you to hang on and hear the whole of it. Because the, the big thing here is that in Christ, we have the chance to start over. We have the chance to start over. All things are new in Christ. And I know that there's uh, maybe people here who are single, people here who are divorced, people here on uh, second, third, fourth marriage. I know that there's people here who are uh, maybe uh, uh, one person is a believer, the other person is not a believer in the marriage. Uh, and then we got folks who are both believers in a marriage and struggling or doing great. So there's, there's probably somebody in every position here in this audience today. And uh, I just want you to know that I know you're there, all right? But what I do want to do is paint the picture that we get in scriptures of marriage and that it is a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing, and a sacred thing. And so I don't want to uh, give up the ideal or the picture that God gives us and that we're not uh, looking towards that. And again, Revelation chapter 19 says this, Hallelujah, for our Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. So, I know that there's lots of uh, traditions that have attached to American weddings. Uh, some of those you can even tell maybe where some of that comes from, from that, the verses I just read there, uh, you know, white linen, that sort of thing. But whether or not you, you strip away the traditions or not, the fact is, is that, that one day, well, all of us have been given an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, what we do with that invitation is, is up to us. 
But we've been given that invitation, and, and these weddings, these marriages that happen here on earth are really to be a reflection and a picture of that wedding in heaven. So um, no, one, no one should tune out this message. You should hang in there, all right? So sacred, we've been talking about what that word means. It really means set apart. It means that it's not ordinary, not common. And in fact, that it's something that is uh, not ordinary, uncommon. And the two questions that we have when you hear somebody say that something is sacred, there's two questions you need to ask. And the first question is, who, who said it's sacred? Who set this apart? The second question is, what is it set apart for? Those are two big, important questions. And you'll find out whether something is really sacred or not, or it's just a sacred cow, as uh, we kind of talk about in a sarcastic way, Uh, something that's been called sacred that really isn't sacred. So um, today, I just want to briefly share with you uh, some of the scriptures that talk about marriage being sacred. And before I do, I just want to acknowledge one other thing. Uh, I've mentioned that everybody comes from different areas. There's kind of pain. But I, I also just want to mention that, hey, uh, personally, uh, I, kind of, I came from a home where my parents divorced when I was four years old. Uh, I don't remember anything different than, than a mom and a dad being apart from each other. And uh, now I can tell you firsthand from a kid's perspective how a broken marriage hurts and is painful. I can tell you that. Um, I can't tell you from the perspective of, of someone who's been married. Now, my father remarried. My mother didn't remarry. Uh, I'm happy for both of them uh, and their choices. Uh, my father and stepmother have been married for over 25 years. And when they got married, my prayer and my hope for them was that they'd stay married. And uh, I was glad that they did. And I'm glad for their marriage. And I'm especially glad uh, because of that marriage, uh, my dad has come back to the Lord because of my stepmother and her, her faith in Christ. And so uh, I'm very happy for them. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up seeing an intact family. But my desire since I was very young was to have a great marriage. Isn't that wild? Somebody who hasn't experienced a great marriage as a kid desires to have one. How does that happen? I mean, I wasn't a kid that, that went to church when I was little. Um, but somehow I knew that and wanted it. I desired it. Uh, so... There is something in us that desires that. Now, the truth is, I mean, how many of us plan to have a bad marriage? I mean, who says, I want to have a terrible marriage when they start out? Nobody says that. Everybody wants to have a great marriage. Some people have a little trouble knowing how to do that. Now, um, I know that people here today, uh, there's been some that have had a rough go go of it in marriage. I know that uh, there are people here who have had some marriages ended, and I want you to know that where you start with Christ is where he starts with you. And because of a, a lost marriage, you might think that your, your life is over, but that's not true. In Christ, you can start over again. And today, I want to be able to share that, that marriage is not only sacred, but I, I want to share with you the beauty of it. And so again, I just want to say that I, I want to hold up what Christ, what the scriptures hold up today. Now, if there's any sadness that you might experience because you're saying, man, I haven't experienced the joy and the beauty of what is described in the scriptures about marriage, I hope that God will change that sadness into a longing, a longing and a hope, a hopeful longing that you'll one day be able to experience that. Now, for those of you who are not married, I just want to let you know that this message is for you too. And I also want to say that, uh, you know, 
that uh, the scriptures say, and the Apostle Paul says, that it's great to be unmarried. It's great to be single. Uh, explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that, that being single is great because you can live with the Lord as your mate, as your spouse, and that you can live with less divided interest, and you can give your energy and your strength fully to the Lord. That is a good thing. But if you're someone who is unmarried and thinks that maybe you can't stay unmarried, then the scriptures say, and the Apostle Paul says and recommends that you do get married because of the immorality of our day. So either way, if you're unmarried or not, this message is for you too. And I don't think anyone should tune this out. So, all right, if marriage is sacred, who set it apart? Well, you can open up the first chapters of the Bible and you can look right there and see that God has set apart marriage. He is the one who started this. It wasn't a man's tradition. It was God starting it. And uh, it was right after creation. Uh, after each day, uh, each day of creation, God, he looked at it and he sums it up and he says, it's good. It's good what I made today. And he comes to the sixth day, makes man, uh, says it's good, and then he places man in the garden alone, and we, hit, we get the first not good in the Bible. And the first not good, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a su- let us make a suitable helper for him. And, uh, and it says that, uh, oh, and by the way, on that helper word, I know some of you get a little uh, frustrated with that word. I just want you to know that, that that's not like daddy's little helper. It's not a diminutive kind of thing. In fact, uh, the same Hebrew word David uses when he calls God his helper. All right? So uh, don't get frustrated by that word. All right? It's a good word. Um, and uh, so God makes a woman from Adam's rib and brings a woman to man. And then uh, Adam says... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And right there you have the first marriage vows. I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be with me. You're part of me. (laughs) We're together. We're in this together. And the scripture simply says this right after that, that description. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, if there's any doubt that this is a marriage that's described here, then you can maybe go and look at what Jesus says about that description in Genesis. But really, I, I believe that, that marriage at this point, and then that, that what was described there in Genesis, is that marriage has been given to man as a gift, as a grace for us to enjoy. But Jesus clears it up when when the Pharisees ask him a question about marriage, and they ask if it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife. And Jesus replies, and he says, haven't you heard that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his uh, father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, let let what God has joined together, let man not separate. That isn't something that some priest made up. That is actually what Jesus said. Those are his words. So from Jesus' interpretation, let me sum up just a little bit of what natural marriage, this natural gift that's been given to us by God is. One, it's the union of one man and one woman. Two, it's, it's a lifelong union ending only with the death of one. Romans 7, 2 says that after the death of one in a marriage, that the other is released from their, from their vows. 
Three, a, a natural marriage excludes union with any other person as long as the marriage lasts. Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage should be honored by all and that uh, the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So infidelity and abandonment violate God's plan, God's intention for marriage, what he set up from the beginning. God desires married people to cherish one only and to be together until death. That's his desire. But Jesus and the apostles said that if there could ever be a reason to be released from a marriage, it would be one of two things. Jesus cited that it was marital unfaithfulness. He said that uh, it's, when the Pharisees asked if it was lawful to divorce a woman, he said, no, they need to be together. What God has joined together, except for in the case of marital unfaithfulness. And he gave that exception. Then the apostle Paul said that if an unbelieving husband abandons his wife or vice versa, she or he is released from the marriage. That's 1 Corinthians 7, 5. But at the same time, the Apostle Paul also urges believers who are married to an unbelieving person to stay in their marriage, to stick with it, and to love in such a way that wins the heart of their mate to Christ. So in a natural marriage, it's a life, there's a lifelong nature to it, and there's exclusiveness. And those things, that lifelong nature and that exclusiveness is guaranteed by vows. Like Adam simply said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. They don't have to be elaborate or long vows, just a promise to be together. If you strip away all the traditions, that's what it is. It's saying vows before God that you're going to be together. And these are the things that describe a natural marriage given to all mankind by God for us to enjoy. And it's not just for Christ followers, but it's a gift just like the rain or like sun the Lord gives to everyone, the good and the evil, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I've said natural marriage because I believe that there's another kind of marriage that believers can experience, a supernatural marriage. Supernatural marriage. For Christ followers who are not yet married, the Scriptures command that if they marry, it should be to someone who belongs to the Lord and that they shouldn't be unequally joined together with an unbeliever. So, a marriage between a believer and someone who's not a believer is kind of like oil and water, light and darkness trying to come together. It's impossible for a total union to really happen. But for those who marry and both belong to the Lord, there's a chance for inviting the Lord into your marriage so it's not just man vows, but a God covenant that is made. God is invited to the marriage. God says yes to your yes to marriage. And the promises you make to one another are also promises made with God, making it a covenant. I don't know if you remember uh, way back when, when uh, Clinton and Gore were running for uh, presidency. Um, and this is not a political thing. This is just, uh, it has to do with what we're talking about. Um, but they, they did this deal where they talked about the new covenant. And there were some people who were Christ followers that kind of got upset with that term because obviously they, they didn't understand the full meaning of the word covenant because they were talking about a new promise. A new promise, that, that would have been cool to say, that's okay. Uh, but when you talk about a covenant, a covenant is a promise that involves God in it. And, and so there were some people that tried to correct them and help them understand what it meant and it went on. Anyway, but um, a covenant is where you involve God in on a promise. And it's no longer just a promise. It is a covenant. 
So um, it's not only binding in the sense that, that God is, is in on this promise, this covenant, but it's also in the sense that you're inviting God to help you keep the promise. And that's why there's a chance for Christian marriage to be supernatural because God is invited into it and God is asked and he helps to keep the, com- the promise, the covenant together. Now I want to tell you more about that, that supernatural marriage because that we can experience, but let me first say one thing first. Whether it's a natural marriage or a supernatural marriage, they are both sacred. They're both set apart. Both experience two becoming one flesh. Both are saying yes to one person and saying no to all others. That in itself is a definition of set apart or sacred. Both natural and supernatural marriage aim to promote companionship and intimacy that God intended when he said it is not good for man to be alone. Both are also a picture of imitating God in his creative work, in the act of procreating. Isn't that a great word to use in front of kids today? But let me tell you more about supernatural marriage and how it's different from natural marriage. When two believers invite the Lord into their marriage covenant, there is an intertwining. There's an intertwining not of just two strands of a man and woman. There's an intertwining of three strands. You, your spouse, and God. Three in one, imitating the fellowship of the Holy Trinity and made strong by his presence. In natural marriage, two become one flesh, but in supernatural marriage, two become one in a spiritual way. As they each become more like the Lord, they find themselves moving closer together like two sides of a triangle moving upwards towards the apex. If here's you, here's your wife or your husband, and here's Jesus, if you both got your eyes on him and you're moving towards him, look who's coming closer together. Both of you are. That's how there can be a new kind of one coming together in a spiritual way that's different from natural marriage. The movement towards the Lord involves a dying of the self to individual wants and selfishness as one person not only puts the other first, but puts Jesus Christ first. That's supernatural. In a natural marriage, there's a picture of God's creative work, but in supernatural marriage, there's a picture of God's redemptive work. You see, in a supernatural marriage, there's the potential for a beautiful cycle, a beautiful cycle of a man loving and cherishing his one wife, and then the wife submitting and honoring her husband, which in turn causes him to love that woman and cherish her even much more, which in turn causes that woman then to want to submit and honor her husband even more, which in turn causes that man to want to love and cherish her more. And it's this endless, beautiful cycle that is a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we desire as Christ followers? Jesus, I desire to honor you and to submit to you. You are my Lord. And he's the one who's offered his great big love, his arms stretched out on the cross, sacrificial love, 
offering it to us, pouring it out for us. You see, that's what marriage is set apart for. It's set apart to reflect the relationship the people of God are to have with their Lord. Now, there, there is an alternative to that. Now, sometimes people revert to this, even those who know better. But let me tell you the alternative to that. Instead of dying to self and becoming one in a spiritual way, a man can choose to not cherish his wife and to not love her well. And therefore, in turn, she doesn't really want to honor him or submit to him. And then when he feels like he's not honored or respected, he doesn't really want to cherish her or love her. And then, in turn, she doesn't really want to honor and submit to him. And it's just this endless cycle that's not a picture. It's not a picture of his Lord, of our Lord and his people. It doesn't reflect him. Now, it takes one person just to end that cycle, though. Just one person to choose, okay, I'm going to love no matter what. I'm going to cherish no matter what. Or one person to say, I'm going I'm to honor and submit no matter what. The cycle can end. And it could be a whole different picture. And you can invite the Lord into your marriage if you want. It can change from just a natural marriage to a supernatural marriage. You can have the Lord helping you Keep your promises. Keep your vows. You can make what was just man promises into a God covenant, something beautiful. So all of us, though, have a choice to make in this. You know, there there are some here who are unmarried, and you have the choice whether or not you're going to remain unmarried. If you choose to remain unmarried, you have the choice to enter into a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. And the back and forth of love and honor and submission with him. Undivided, energy fully given to him. Or there's the choice that some of us have for natural marriage. Where it is a gift of God that you can experience, but you don't have to invite him into it. You can choose that. Then there's the choice of supernatural marriage, which invites God into the covenant between a man and a woman and reflects the picture of him and his people. So when you ask the question, why is marriage sacred? The answer is that it's set apart by God. He's the one who started it. And whether it's natural or supernatural, he desires it to be a reflection of him and a reflection of him and his people. Marriage is a beautiful thing. And it's amazing when we invite God into our marriage. Now, as a believer and a husband, I have to ask myself, how did Jesus love the church, his people? He sacrificed himself willingly for the love of the Father and for his love for us. And at one point before Sherry and I got married, I was thinking about that. How do I really love there's a, there's a verse in Ephesians 5.1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. And I was asking myself that. Well, I'm, I'm getting into this lifelong thing. And I'm supposed to love like Jesus loved. And how do I love for a lifetime? And so I wrote it here in the cover of this Bible before we married, before we said our, our vows to each other. 
And it says this, that to live a life of love is to live a life of patience, to live a lifetime of kindness, to live a lifetime of selflessness and humbleness, to live a lifetime of forgetting wrongs, to live a lifetime of rejoicing in truth, to live a life of protecting, trusting, hoping, to live a lifetime of never giving up. That is love defined by 1 Corinthians 13. And if you were to live it for a lifetime, that's how it would sound. With God invited into a marriage, I think it's possible to live a lifetime of love. And with a husband and a wife seeking God's help to live a life of love, your marriage will not fail because love never fails. I believe that. Marriage is beautiful and marriage is sacred. It's set apart. I want uh, Sherry and Miles, they're going to come on up here and they're going to be sharing a song with you. And uh, as that song is going on, we're going to have a time where we're going to celebrate what, what God has done for us. And um, I'd really just like to take a time for us to recognize what God has invited us into, this relationship with him. And I also just want to invite those of you who are married, if you want, say, Lord, continue to help us. Help us to keep our covenant with you, our covenant to each other. Invite them in. For those of you who might be struggling, say, God, once again, we're asking for help. Help us to love well. For those who are in some other position, say it and come before the Lord. Lord, I know in you all things can be made new. And I'd like to experience what it is you describe in a new way. One thing I want to remind you, all of us as individuals who have said yes to Jesus, I want you to know that, that when you said yes to him, you were saying yes to more than just one thing. You were saying yes to two things. Just like some of these people who are married in their vows, they said for better or for worse, or they said richer or for poorer, or in health or in sickness. They didn't say, I'll take you for better, for rich, and for health. They said both. They said two things. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying two things to him. You're saying, Jesus, I'll take you for better and when times are worse. I'm not deserting. I'm not leaving. When things are well off, I'm saying yes, but when things are poor, when there's no food in the cupboards and I don't know how to pay the next bill, Lord Jesus, I'm sticking with you. I trust you. In health, in sickness, I'm not going to blame you, God, or turn my back on you because I'm sick. I said yes to you. Both. So, in these next few moments, there's going to be a song that's played. There could be a time that if you want, again, you can come up here. If you need to move physically, do something to represent to God and say yes, I'm saying yes to you again all over. Or yes, Lord, we're here to acknowledge that we need your help in our marriage. Hold us together. And you can come up here. I, I won't bother you. I'll let it be with you and the Lord. 
Uh, nobody else on staff will bother you or anything. It'll just be you and the Lord. If you want somebody to pray with you, you, you can come talk to us after this gathering, and we'd love to pray with you. Um, but that's what we're going to do during this song. And then also, when that song is over, the band is going to come up. They're going to play. And when they play, there's going to be some people around the perimeter room holding communion cups, uh, a cup with juice that represents Christ's blood, and there's going to be a plate with unleavened bread that represents Christ's body. And uh, you take that bread, dip it in the juice. And again, when you take it, remember when Jesus said yes to you, it was for two things. It was with you for better or for worse. When you're at your worst, we know that he loves us that way. And it's good. And it's something to be glad that he loves us when we're at our worst or when we're at our best. And it's not a love that's been earned, but it's a love that's been freely given. So let me pray. And we'll move on from this point and continue in our worship. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for us at the cross. Your love demonstrated a sacrificial love. And Lord, thank you for inviting us into a relationship with you where you'll never leave, never forsake us. You'll be with us forever. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.